NPR. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Darian Woods. And joining me today are Planet Money reporters and hosts with the mosts, Erica Barris and Mary Childs. So happy to be here. Hello. Happy to have you. And listener, you should know that this super team of super people assembling can only mean one thing. Can uh, anyone in this room guess what it is? I know. I know. I know. So I hit the buzzer first. <laughs> I hit the buzzer first. It's Ugh. indicators of the week. But yes, it is our glorious turn to bring you three snapshots of what is going on in the global economy. That's right. On today's episode, super indicators. What one regional bank's super shakiness means for the wider economy, Mexican goods super surging, and of course, the Super Bowl. Well, you know, the fun part, the commercials. The good part, yeah. Okay, Indicators of the Week, Mary, tee us off. What is your super interesting Indicator of the Week? Thank you for the compliments. Honored to go first. My Indicator of the Week is $475 billion. That is how much the U.S. imported in goods from Mexico last year. But the wild part of this is that is about $48 billion more than we imported from China. Oh, how the turntables turn. It's very surprising, frankly. This is the first time in about 20 years that this has happened. For the last two decades, we have always imported more from China. But last year, our imports from China dropped 20%. That is wild. What is happening here? What's going on? So in part, it is just a normalization. Um, American consumers got super spendy during the pandemic. Maybe it happened to you. Mm. And started buying more and more goods from China. But it does also reflect a few really interesting shifts. One being that we are increasingly looking to other countries to buy stuff like Mexico, South Korea, Vietnam, instead of China. I'm imagining tariffs has something to do with this. How did you know? It's I'm psychic. Like literally, you're psychic. <laughs> I'm glad you are because that is a very big part of this that absolutely is affecting the picture here. We know that this is happening because this bunch of researchers from the University of California, San Diego, the World Bank, and the IMF found that American purchasing of stuff without tariffs kept growing, but purchases of things with those higher tariffs fell. Huh. There is some nuance to this. Companies may be routing things that were basically made in China through other countries to get around the tariffs. Uh Like, if every single part came from China, but you put the final touches on the thing in Vietnam or Mexico, then it counts as being from the final touch country, the Vietnam or the Mexico, and you save money by avoiding the tariffs. But it is kind of hard to know at this stage how much of that is happening. So as the researchers from that paper said last year, for China and the U.S., the decoupling is real. Speaking of decoupling, uh, Darian, do you have something that you'd like to share? Yeah, I mean, banks that have decoupled from their profits. uh, (laughs) This one is New York Community Bank Corp. And its share price has gone down 60% since last Tuesday. That's after they had this really rough earnings call. In it, the bank said it was taking big losses on an office building and an apartment that it had given loans to. And it was now building a bigger financial buffer in case it faced more trouble. Ouch. This is sort of the result of all the things we've heard about commercial real estate. Yeah, it's not surprising that office buildings in New York are not great investments right now, especially if the the loan was given before the pandemic. There are a lot of vacancies due to remote work. That's around 20% across the U.S. And 
interest rates are higher now, and that means that the valuations of these buildings are often lower than they were pre-pandemic. In fact, last summer, we actually had an episode where we talked to an economist about this, and she estimated that 300 banks could become insolvent due to bad commercial real estate loans. Uh-huh. So she predicted all of this. I should be clear that New York Community Bank Corp is still running, uh, but, you know, its investors on the stock market are running away at the moment. Oh, yeah. So, like, how worried then should we be about this? Well, we can think about its size and try to gauge what its systematic importance might be. At the end of last year, it had assets that were worth about half of what Silicon Valley banks were before its collapse about a year ago. So it's a solid, medium-sized bank. And that's kind of worrying. It's worrying if similar issues are being faced by thousands of banks elsewhere in the country. Are they? Well, regional bank stocks in general are down about 10%. So I think there are some jitters that there are some echoes elsewhere. But more encouraging is that NYCB's investments are particularly concentrated in New York real estate, which has its own characteristics. Larger banks don't have such high concentration in office buildings. And also New York residential real estate has its own issues like uh, rent control regulation, which is not as strong or even non-existent elsewhere in the country. But you know, when Fed Chair Jerome Powell was on 60 Minutes over the weekend, this is what he had to say about the risks of a wider banking crisis sparked by real estate. I don't think there's much risk of a repeat of 2008. Certainly there will be some banks that have to be closed or, or merged out of, out of existence because of this. That'll be smaller banks, I suspect, for the most part. Are you guys comforted? That was the most reassuring thing I've ever heard. <laughs> he seemed really relaxed. Yeah, that yeah. was a nice tone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the good calming Jerome Powell. I hope Speaking he's right. of calming... Erica, hey. what have we got in the Super Bowl? Well, all right. My indicator of the week is seven million, and that is dollars, not how many chicken wings mm-hmm. I might eat. Um, it's reportedly <laughs> how much advertisers are paying to get their ads in front of all of us this Super Bowl Sunday. Well, I appreciate the respect. <laughs> we all know that these ads are always a huge deal. Most of us don't all watch TV together at the same time. Mm-hmm. We all watch very curated, a la carte TV. And this is one of those few times where millions and millions of Americans sit down and just watch the same thing at the exact same time. A shared cultural moment. It's, it's also winter, but yes. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the thing that is, of course, different this year is that it's not just a Super Bowl, but it is a Super Bowl with some Swiftonomics thrown in. Oh, yes. I did not make this happen. I'm just going to say that. But as yeah. we all know, sure, sure. Uh, you know, performer, billionaire, attention getter, Taylor Swift has been very publicly dating Travis Kelsey. He's on the Kansas City Chiefs. And yes, it is his big day. She's been in the little important person box all the time. I've seen many outfits and many other celebrities joining her. And many other people have as well. Her being there <laughs> has been a ratings bump for the NFL and female viewership has been up 29%. That does not sound like a coincidence. Wow. Suddenly it's interesting. So this year, the ads aren't just going to be for like, you know, chips, beer, and soda. They're also going to be for some products that are traditionally targeted at women. Um, So we have things like ELF Cosmetics with an ad from Judge Judy. All rise. Judge Beauty is back. Beauty fades. Dumb is forever. Yeah, a lot of overlap in the Taylor Swift Judge Judy demographic. That's true. <laughs> We're also going to have Cardi B in an ad for Nick's professional makeup. Nick's dog plum. Reggae. 
And these are all companies that have not advertised during the Super Bowl before. Okay, so what's the big picture here? Well, one, we have that Taylor Swift's hold and effect on yet another sector of the economy is continuing into 2024. In her iron grip. (laughs) We are in her Super Bowl (laughs) era now. Um... Well, congratulations to Taylor Swift, as always. (laughs) As always, continuing her march towards trillionaire or whatever she's doing. Global domination. Yeah. Well, that's it for Indicators of the Week. Thank you so much, Erica and Mary. See you guys at the Halftime Show. See you then. This episode was produced by Angel Carreras with engineering by Sina Lafredo. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Kate Cannon edits the show, and the Indicator is a production of NPR. 